I was wondering if anybody would would share that this morning. Take your Bibles. Let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter number two, Paul's second letter to the church at Thessalonica, and that's where we will be. I guess if I had to start this message off with a question, it would go something like this: How in the world do we live with confidence in an anti-God culture? How do we live with confidence in an anti-God culture? You know, human history is populated with evil leaders. If you go back and study history at all, matter of fact, we'll even travel back the distance that many of you probably won't travel back quite as far. But if you go back to Paul's day, there was a ruler by the name of Nero, if you ever go back and read any of the accomplishments of Nero, okay, uh, he is not one that I would have recorded down in history as being a leader, right? Um, how about Stalin? How about guys like Hitler? And I want you to understand these are all listed as world leaders. How about some of you may have forgotten this one, Saddam Hussein? How about Osama bin Laden? And the list goes on and on and on. And I will say this to you, and let me just, let me just make this statement, okay? It's happening right in America today with the millions of babies that are murdered every single year. But they're leaders. They're leaders. So how in the world... Do we live with confidence in an anti-God culture? How do we do that? You know, religious history has also had and will continue to have false Christs, false teachers, and countless others who are nothing more than what we refer to as wolves in sheep's clothing. And it happens every day. As a matter of fact, I can tell you right now, while we're in this building today, there are places taking place right now where there are wolves in sheep's clothing, okay, that are bringing deception to people sitting and listening. But what Paul is going to deal with here in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 is one who will make all of the others seem mild of who he is is second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 and verse 2 i want you to notice what paul says with me here he says now we request you brethren and let me tell you who he's talking to here he's talking to the believers in the church at thessalonica he's not talking to the population in general here he's talking to the believers that are in thessalonica he says with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together of him. Now I want you to notice the change in the pronouns as he moves from you, we now request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Let me tell you what Paul has done. Paul's included himself in what he's getting ready to speak about. He's, he's, he's added himself 
so that it's not just you believers in the church at Thessalonica but I want you to understand it includes me and Silas and Timothy as well because of that plural pronoun that is there and he also includes all of the believers in Thessalonica so now we move from just you to our to be inclusive of the believers in Thessalonica as well as Paul Silas and Timothy then we come to verse number two that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if it is from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. It's interesting in verse number two, those three areas that Paul makes reference to, he uses words like spirit, probably likely referring to prophecy here, to prophecies that are, that are spoken. The message, which would be a spoken word or teaching. And then letter, Paul says, seemingly from us or from me and so he sets kind of the stage here as he's going to basically deal with all three of these and and for us let me share this with you today prophecies teaching and messages or a letter let me just go ahead and paint the picture further for you books a lot of people say, well, what are you trying to say, that we shouldn't read books? No, that's not what I'm saying. However, we need to be careful when we read them. One of the things that Paul wants the church at Thessalonica to understand, and something that I want to encourage you with this morning, to be very careful with, it is not an issue. It is not a problem. It is not being judgmental when we judge the message or we judge the teaching or we judge what's written in the books to see whether or not they're correct or not to see whether or not they line up with scripture as a whole that is one of the things that we ought to do matter of fact that's one of the things that Paul has already covered with the church at Thessalonica but it goes much deeper than that Matter of fact, if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John. Flip over to 1 John, John writing. He, he, talks about, he talks about this subject, okay? And I don't understand why today we get, we get so concerned that we need to be careful, okay? Because we get down to this subject, we get down to this mindset of the interpretation of Scripture. And I've heard people use this all the time. Well, it depends on what your interpretation of the Scripture is. I hate to tell you what, there's only one interpretation of Scripture. That's God's. Now, what we do with that Scripture, but here's what John, writing, notice 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. This is connected back to the same phrase that Paul uses in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Do not believe every spirit. But look at what he says next. He said, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
And don't, think, don't be naive enough to think today that there aren't false prophets walking around spouting a message, okay, that is incorrect, that is not true. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians. This message, the spoken word or the teaching, one of the things that we ought to do, one of the things that the Thessalonians in the church of the believers in Thessalonica, okay, the Thessalonian believers in the church at Thessalonica, here's what they were commended for. Because they, they checked, they, they searched to see what they were being taught was correct or not. My dear friend, listen to me. It is important today to know and understand that what we hear, what we see, what we listen to, that it lines up with the Scripture, with the Word of God. That is something that we should be on guard of, making sure that we hold to what the Scripture tells us. Matter of fact, Paul had already instructed the Thessalonians to test the prophecies because some may be false. Holding your place in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, just look back probably for many of you, it's just on the page before, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want you to notice verse 20 and verse 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and verse 21. 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry. It's been a long weekend. It's that age thing. <laughs> See, y'all gave Andrew an inside track there because he hadn't even... Never mind. First, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20 and verse 21. Notice what Paul writes. Do not despise prophetic utterances. In other words, do you throw the baby out with the bathwater? No, you don't. But he comes to the next verse, and notice what he says in verse 21. He says, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Now, he's already talked to them. He's already warned them about this. There is false teachers out there. And also, something else that Paul did was he warned them about the very source of letters themselves. Let's go back now to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3 and verse 17. He warns them about letters. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 17. And I want you to notice what Paul reemphasizes here. I, Paul, I don't want there to be any confusion here. I, Paul, write this greeting with my what? My own hand, and this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. Paul wanted to make sure that they understood that the letter that they had received from Paul was in fact from Paul's hand. It was a distinguishing mark for the letters. So he speaks about the Spirit. He speaks about the teaching and the message. And he speaks about the letters in verse 2 of 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Why? He's warning them. And if I could warn you today as a church, be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you read behind. Be careful what we even have 
and, and let me say this i'll just go ahead and put it out even further okay this let's just be honest with each other this morning this goes all the way down to even curriculum that is written that churches use let's just be honest about all of it books that are written by individuals that we we place up on pedestals okay just because they've put their name in this book and this book has been published does not make what is contained with inside of it the truth it's time that the church wakes up today to understand and realize the importance of the word of god paul goes on in verse 3 through verse 5 of second thessalonians chapter 2 and i want you to notice what he writes he said let no one in any way deceive you don't be deceived by it for it will not come in other words the day of the lord is not going to come just so you know believers in thessalonica it is not going to come unless the apostasy comes first I want you to notice the article in front of apostasy. The apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things. The warning over and over and over again. And let me just share with you something. This is the significance of the statement that Paul makes in verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you. Deception will lead to anxiety and fear. That's what deception brings. It brings anxiety. It brings fear. The church at Thessalonica was concerned. There was a fear there that they had absolutely missed the day of the Lord. Well, what's, what's happened? What's going on? And Paul is trying to clarify and make sure that they understood that the day of the Lord had not occurred yet because there are some events that have to take place before the day of the Lord. Let me encourage you with something today. Jesus Christ is not returned yet. Yes, he came the first time he was born in a manger in the town of Bethlehem, okay? He's ascended back to the right hand of the Father. And let me share something with you this morning. That's where he still currently is. He's not returned yet. If he has, we're all in trouble. If Jesus Christ has already returned, then all of us in this building this morning are in trouble. But he hasn't. And he wants the church at Thessalonica to understand and realize that. But let me say this to you this morning. Deception, unfortunately, is still found in the church today. Deception still comes. It happens every single day. Folks sitting in our churches today, sitting in our pews, many of them fall underneath this deception oftentimes. And my heart breaks for that because my dear friend let me share something with you this morning deception does not have to be a part of who we are because we have the word of god we need to try the spirits that's what john writing in first john chapter 4 he says try the spirits 
Matter of fact, the church at Thessalonica was by Paul himself encouraged as he saw them as they did what? They searched the scriptures to see whether or not they were hearing was in fact true. One of the things that I also want to share with you this morning, I am just a man, just like you are. So when we read and study the Word of God and we teach and we preach the Word of God, if I can encourage you to do this, this is something that you ought to do. Have a piece of paper, have a notebook, go through, take notes. And I, I will say this always, my door is always open. I have an open mind and an open heart. I'll be more than happy to sit down and talk with you uh, concerning the Scripture and the Word of God. And one of the things that we'll find out at the end of the day when it's all said and done and everything's run through the mill, okay, and everything's run through the wash, one of the things we're going to find out is this. God was always right. He's always right. Are you ready for this? Hold on. I noticed everybody was in total agreement there. But so is the Word of God. Here's what's interesting. Paul's warning in verse 3. The English that we have here, it's much stronger than that. In, in, in the Greek text itself, let me give you what Paul is saying in verse number 3. Here's what he's saying. When he says, let no one in any way deceive you, here's what he's saying. Do not let anyone by any means or any method lead you astray in any way. Now, that puts it pretty cut and dry, doesn't it? So, in other words, he says, don't let or don't allow anyone to deceive you in any way in regards to the day of the Lord. If I can encourage you with this, do not let anyone deceive you today in the day of the Lord. Why? There's dates. How, let me ask you, how many of y'all have heard dates set for the return of Jesus Christ? Anybody in here? Come on, you can raise your hand. How many of you have never heard anybody setting a date for the return of Jesus Christ? You heard the latest? Huh? Have you heard the latest? Of when he's coming? Next week. <laughs> Here's a good one for you. He's already come back. He's already returned. How can that be? When you look at the scripture, there's absolutely no way it could be. And that's what Paul is going to talk about as we make our way through here. Let me just make a general overall statement here for you, okay? Please listen to me. It's from my heart to you. Truth is not determined by emotions or circumstances. It is determined by scripture. Truth is not determined by emotion or circumstances. It's determined by Scripture. Paul moves on to the next part of, the, of this letter here as he deals with, so what is it that is going to be indicative of his return? Well, Paul makes it clear that before the coming of the day of the Lord, the apostasy will proceed. And Paul says, since the apostasy has not taken place yet, the 
day of the Lord. And basically, here's what he said. So if the apostasy has not taken place yet, then therefore the next logical step to this is the day of the Lord could not have happened. If I could, if I could encourage you to do something this morning, God didn't complicate this thing. Think about it logically. Read and study the Word of God. That's, all, what, that's what Paul is doing there. If the day of the Lord's already come and is preceded, the day of the Lord has preceded the apostasy, then the scripture is totally wrong. It's incorrect. The plan of God is not taking place the way God intends for it to. So, what is this apostasy? Well, let me just share with you what this apostasy is. It will be an identifiable act of blasphemy of an unprecedented magnitude. That's what he says. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. Above everyone. Immaterial of, 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 of what may have been erected, or worship for that matter, will be above all of those. And what's also interesting is the apostasy, the apostasy, not just apostasy, because I will, let me share this with you, we see apostasy today. But this apostasy that we see here that Paul is speaking of is linked to the man of lawlessness, none other than the final antichrist himself. He links it, look down at verse number 9. This is all connected back to who he's speaking about here, but look at verse number 9. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of who? Of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Doesn't get much plainer than that, does it? It just doesn't get much plainer. And let me say this to you this morning. As believers, I don't know about you. You know, I hear believers are all concerned. Well, as we see all of the difficulty taking place in the world that we live in. How about this? I hear this all the time. Brother Robert, what in the world are we going to do? Culture is basically, it's on a, it's on a collision course Please listen to me. Please. This is not taking God by surprise. God knows it's coming. Matter of fact, God is the one who is orchestrating and bringing all of this together. For what? For His honor and for His glory. For whose plan? For His plan, not for our plan. So are there things that we will experience and undergo? I don't know about you. I don't like shots. How many of you here, uh, you'd say, aha, uh -huh, shots are a piece of cake for me? Anybody? How many of y'all like shots? <laughs> give me a pill, praise the Lord, not a shot. Okay, so you've got to give me some. But I, but I understand, okay? But I understand. This world seems, okay, I, I don't know how many. They were showing some of the new viruses that are that they, they have right now that they have seen, okay? 
It'd make you want to go hide in a closet in your house and never come out. I hate to tell you this, but Jesus has already spoke about this. How about, how about wars and rumors of wars? Yeah, but what happens if Russia comes down and China comes across and Iran becomes a part of it and Turkey gets involved and they all go against Israel and it starts World War III? Hey, tell you this, you ready for this? Go read Ezekiel. Listen, if you're a believer today, there is no reason for you to fear. There is no reason for you to be deceived. If you have placed your trust and faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone, and you have trusted Him with your life to maintain and keep it for all of eternity, then why in the world are we going to get so afraid of things that are only going to be temporary and not eternal? Huh? Paul says, let no one deceive you. Church, please, don't let anyone deceive you with where we are. As believers, we have no need to fear any of the signs or the judgment, watch this, following the return of Christ. I'm not going to stand at the, judge, at the great white throne judgment of God. You say, Brother Robert, are you sure? Yep, I'm sure. You want to you know, you know why I'm not going to stand at the great white throne judgment of God? My sins were already judged for. Removed as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore. There was one sacrifice that took place on the cross of Calvary once and for all. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father today. I won't be judged for my sin. For the judgment that comes after the return of Christ. Now I'm going to tell you something. If I was a lost person, I'd be real concerned. And I would be deathly afraid. Because here's what the scripture says. You do not want to fall into the hands of a just or the wrath of God spoken of by the prophet. You see, God remains sovereign over all that will occur, including the rise of the lawless one. Including the rise of the lawless one. Ready for this? God's going to bring all of this to be. I love this part. Okay, here it comes. But Jesus Christ is the victor of the battle. You ready for this? It's already been won. Here's what I want people to understand. Okay, He's not coming back to attempt to win the battle. He's just coming back to affirm that it had already been won and taken care of. For us. So, how do we have confidence to live in an anti-God culture? Are you ready? Here it is. Our confidence comes from knowing, personally knowing, that it is the victory of Jesus Christ that allows the church today to stand firm. What allows us to stand firm? 
It's the victory of Jesus Christ. You see, only those who are deceived and forgetful risk losing that confident hope in the joy of Christ's return. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the day that he will return. Can't imagine what it's going to be like. But I'm looking forward to it. My question to you, are you? Are you looking forward to his return? Well, if we're looking forward to his return, then let me share something with you. If we're looking forward to his return, then we need to get busy doing what we've been called to do. Because when he does return, we do not want to be ashamed at his coming. Paul said, he said, I'm, I'm ready to be offered. Paul, matter of fact, he went on to say, he said, I'm like a drink offering being poured out. He said, I've run the race. He said, I've kept the faith. Go read his prison epistles that he wrote while he was in prison. Read his letters. Where did Paul's confidence come from? It came through a victorious living Christ of which you and I today, let's include ourselves with the pronoun that he begins chapter 2 with when it says our. Are you ready for this? We can include ourselves with Paul. When he says, with regard to the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and our gathering together to him, ours, when that day comes. So my question to you today is this. Do you have the confidence that we need? And please, does that mean that every time we turn around, we're going to see a victory that we can see with our very eyes, okay? To see every time we speak the truth that there is fruit that comes as a result of that. Here's one of the things I want you to understand. Go read the prophets. They were to deliver a message, and here's what God told them. You're going to deliver this message, but they're not going to listen to you. My dear friend, please listen to me today. Do not be deceived by this. Whether or not anyone listens to the message or not is not the point here. The point is that we're obedient and faithful to what God's called us to do, to carry the gospel message of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world that needs to hear it today. And at the end of the day, it's their choice what they do with it. It's not up to me. It's not up to you to produce fruit. It is God who gives the increase. Amen? Let's